0: Ideas have consequences, what we believe, what we think shapes our lives, and of course belief has to make its way into practice to have its real impact, and in the last week I have, we probably all have, but I have really both from the terrible and the beautiful side of that, the beliefs forming behaviors. Uh, some really tragic consequences for people believing something that wasn't true, and then some beautiful, long-lasting consequences for people believing what is true. And the Bible's clear, Romans 1 and 2, that God has made himself known to everyone through creation and through conscience. And so there is no one who is ignorant of, of at least a general revelation of God. And in Romans 1, the suppression of the knowledge of God that he's made known shows up in idolatrous worship and then illicit sexual behavior. So wrong beliefs show up in heart and habits. So wrong stuff in the head shows up in wrong stuff in the heart, idolatry, and then wrong stuff in the habits. And in contrast, when the Bible describes the believer's knowledge of God, that knowledge of truth is always seen in ethics, in life of obedience and holiness. So like First John 2, By this we know we've come to know him, if we keep his commands. So the difference between those who are followers of Christ and those who are not is the sum total of not just what they believe, but what they believe, what they value, and then what they do. And there's just no way for humans to figure out on their own what really is true to believe, what is valuable to hold in your heart, and then what's the right thing to do. But God in his mercy has given us his word. It is the very word of God. And so many people are trying to navigate by their own internal compass. And basically, north is wherever they're pointing. And so they're getting shipwrecked on the rocks of despair. They're going down into the dark depths of no hope. And if you look at them right now, it may not look like it. because you don't know what's going on in their hearts. Sometimes their hearts are already shipwrecked. But if you could keep watching, you would see that they're going to be there. So imagine trying <clears throat> to, on your own to figure out what's true and what's valuable and how I should live. So God's given us his word. We have truth. We navigate by this external, not internal, point of reference. So on Easter Sunday, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24-25. I'll give you a preview. All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the gospel. And so the glory of men, women, men, humans is partly them coming up with their own ideas about what is good and true. But we have been given the truth of God, the resources of God. And we get to stand on the shore and we get to throw lifelines into the raging sea of relativism that is ruining people's lives. And so we've gathered again today to train, to lead people and ourselves to, to lies built on the truth of God. And this is the four ends of group leadership. And the way I see it, this is not prescriptive. This is not okay. Let's come together and tell you this is what you must do. This is descriptive. This is what you are doing as you lead people. This is exactly what you do. We show up with others to become friends and to know God's word. God's word was written to, to be understood best in community. It wasn't written just to be understood in your private, quiet times, but it was written to communities, to be best understood in community. So we meet for coffee and content. We've been given a mission. We know why we're here to make the gospel known. We're not guessing. We're not trying to hoping we're getting it right, hoping that when we lay on our deathbeds, we'll be go, "Man, I wasted my life." We know why we're here. We have a mission to know and love God and make his love known, to be faithful. We're learning to love each other as we show up and follow God. So since we love each other, then of course we're going to want to take care of each other. So yeah, we're doing member care. And the entire process, showing up, loving each other, um, living with purpose, models a different way of life. It's about intentional investment. It's just like everywhere Jesus went, he was investing in people. He was mentoring. He was looking, paying attention. And he was intentional about investing in people. So, yeah, of course, we're mentoring. So these four M's, they describe what you're doing as you love God and love people. It's more descriptive than prescriptive. So today we're going to train in this. We always do. We're, tr- we're always training in these. We're training for this great privilege that God has given us. So I, I'm saying this so hopefully you won't get, get through this evening and go, man, one more thing I should add to my busy schedule, one more thing I'm not doing. One more way I'm not measuring up. No, you're, you're leading well. This describes what you're doing. We're just going to train. We're just going to keep training on this. So Rodney's going to, we're going to move pretty quick tonight. Rodney's going to hit the meetings part. Not yet, but Rodney's going to hit the meetings part. <laughs> He's moving, man. He's ready. And, um, and a specific part of it, prayer, because you, you, could train, you could train on different things in each of these components. Sherry's going to hit the missions part of personal evangelism Trace will hit a single component of of member care and then Brendan Jim will talk about a part of mentoring investing in others so let me say it again with I said it in January I'll say it again with with complete honesty and deep conviction well done you're leading with clear direction so don't trip over your lack of perfection nobody has that we're all we're all getting better we're continuing to grow so I'll before Rodney comes up I'll tell you a story some of you have heard this story before but I'm going to tell it because I think it's, it's the spirit with which I want us to, to approach training together. When I was a kid, I loved practice every bit as much as the game itself. In fact, sometimes more. When I was in the sixth grade, 1970, I was standing in line for a football drill at practice. And I was happy as a clan. I'm just a, a kid out there loving it. And so I started singing Monday, Monday by the Mamas and the Papas. And I was singing it out loud in my little helmet. And the coach said, William, stop singing. This is football practice. I'm like, okay. I thought practice was fun. Didn't know it wasn't supposed to be. And so I stopped singing. Never sang a football practice again. Now, 53 years later, that coach was wrong. Training is actually fun. Training is good. Training for godliness is what life is about right now. And so let's train. Um, Please don't allow any feelings of inferiority or guilt, or I'm not doing that, don't shoo those birds on away, and let's just enjoy training. Rodney, come on up.
1: So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about prayer, and one of the things that we're going to do is spend some time praying together. And uh, as Terry mentioned, this kind of is in the meeting category, but really it it goes throughout all of life. You know, when you're mentoring someone, you want to be praying for them. Maybe even teaching them how to pray. Um, and then if you're engaged in mission, you're going to pray for those who don't know Christ. Pray for the needs of people in your group. Um, but Uh, focusing, thinking of it primarily in your meetings, because I don't know about you guys, but I get to the meeting and we talk and talk and talk a lot of times, right, Matt? We have great discussion. And then it's like, oh, dude, we got two more minutes, we should pray. Uh, And that's that's okay. This is not about feeling guilty, as Terry said, but it's really, I want to remind us of the great privilege that we have in prayer. And whenever... The disciples came to Jesus and they were being mentored. They asked him lots of questions, um, which is what a good, I guess, protege or disciple would do. They asked some good questions, some really bad questions, like one of their uh, whoppers that was like the worst question ever of all time. Caden, are you ready for this? Hey, Jesus, do you want me to call down fire from heaven and destroy all these people right here? Like, seriously, I don't think that's made into The Chosen just yet, but I'm looking forward to that episode, just to see the look on Jesus' face when he's like, dude, no, I don't want you to do that. But one question they did ask, which was, I think, a really good question, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't just give them techniques and ideas, he, I think really, probably their heart was, we see your heart for your father, we see the way that you talk to him, man, I want that too. How do we have a heart like that, Jesus? And so he gave him a simple prayer, but really it's just a posture of the heart uh, that he demonstrated when when he gave them the Lord's Prayer, that posture of, God, I know you can do this, would you? I don't know the right words to say sometimes, but would you do this? So, as we talk about prayer, I just really want you to be reminded that prayer is a great privilege. That's really the biggest thing I want you to hear. This personal being, as Ben talked about this morning, self-sufficient, doesn't need anything, just powerful God, the one who whispered the world into existence, he says, bring your requests to me, and I often think, no, I got this, I'm good, and God is saying, I'm the one who made everything. Bring your requests to me. He's aware of every atom, every molecule, every electron. He says, cast your cares on me, for I care for you. And I can easily think, really, do you? But he does. He does. Hebrews 4 reminds us when it says, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let's hold fast to our confession. Let's not waver, let's hold on. For we have a high priest who is, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So he really does mean it when he says, Come pray. And then sometimes we can even pray things like this Psalm 44. Wake up, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Get up. Don't reject us forever. Why do you hide and forget our affliction and oppression? He is not troubled by these prayers. For we've sunk down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up. Help us redeem us because of your faithful love. This is one of the ways that God is instructing me in prayer. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, "Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge." So, that's what I want us to do right now is just you talk to God. So I'm going to lead us through the M's. We'll use those to kind of guide our prayer, but you talk to God however you want. He is a father who is listening and who cares and wants to respond. That the picture I have of pour out your heart before him is a kid going to a bucket full of Legos and they just take that Lego bucket and they just dump it out. You know, they aren't like picking through there trying to find just the right brick. It's just pouring it out on the ground and then sifting through it. So as you talk to God, don't worry about having just the right thought and try to say it just the right way. God is really teaching me to just speak to him as someone who cares. So if you want to pray with your uh, leader assistant there, just you can pray out loud, and we'll start uh, by praying for ourselves. And we'll start with that mentoring M. So pray for yourself as a mentor. 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. So take a moment now and just pray, and then I'll move us to the next M here in just a minute. Now pray for your group meetings, ask God to encourage people as they come to your meetings. Hebrews ten let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now let's move to member care. Pray that you would lead out in loving others in your group. Pray for specific member care needs in your group. Now, mission pray for those who don't know Christ. Ask God to use your group to bring people to repentance and belief in Him. They would be aware that this is their greatest need. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for hearing these prayers. God, it's a wonderful mystery to us that we could come to you, weak and finite and small beings coming to the living God. And mostly we just ask, like Psalm 44, help us. Help us as we mentor. Help us as we lead our meetings Help us as we do member care and help us as we reach out and lead others to do the same. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you guide us and that you teach us. We pray you would continue. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: So the M that I'm going to focus on is mission, and the verse that goes with it is, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And evangelism can sound like such an intimidating thing to add into a small group, but I just want to talk about some ideas tonight of ways to do that that are just very natural in small ways that are easily incorporated into any group. And some of them are ideas that I've heard from you, from different people, and some of them are ones that I've tried. Um, We want to make full-time followers, and part of being a full-time follower is to help people have a heart for the lost. And so it takes intentionality to do it, and it's um, not something that just comes naturally, and so therefore we have to go ahead and step out and take small steps to do it. One of the ways is prayer, like what Rodney just had us do. That didn't take that much time for us to pray for the lost and it's a very easy way just the other night in my small group I had them everybody write down a name and we just spent some time praying for the people that we know in our lives that are lost and that we long to have come to know Jesus and so we prayed right then and there and it didn't take that much time but I felt very f- filled from praying with my sisters in Christ for The people that I know that we are all longing to see come to know Jesus. The other things with prayer is um, Youth Horizons. We talk a lot about being involved with Youth Horizons or the Wren House, Boys Ranch or the Wren House. One way to do some prayer things is get some of the names of the house or the leaders or maybe the first names of the kids, and pray for that house regularly in your group. That can be a great way that doesn't take a lot of large footprint, but is a small way of being able to um, impact that, the houses there also joining in with our overseas partners Um, you can write them and find out who can we pray for specifically and join in with them week by week giving updates as they have updates that come out and i know that that really encourages them when they are joined with in that and then the hope skate crew praying along with them they they go out a lot, and they would love pre- people to pray for them and pray specifically for the things that they can tell you about. So those are the things with prayer that I've, um, we, I've been able to add into groups, and it's been easy to do, and it's not taken this huge involvement from people. It's just been something you can add in for a five- to seven-minute time frame in group. Another idea that um, I've really enjoyed having is starting out in small group with the question of who has had any type of gospel conversation. Now, not only will this remind your group to think about what gospel conversations are, but also help them to grow in boldness to do so. And when I say gospel conversation, I'm not talking about getting up and sharing the whole presentation of the gospel. I'm not talking about being able to give an apologetics discourse. I'm talking about just small um, pieces like cookie crumbs or potato chips that we scatter around trying to talk with people about Christ. And so... Um, I might explain really quick what a gospel conversation is if it's a newer thing to the group. And it might look like, hey, I got to invite this person to church this week. That's part of a gospel conversation. It might look like when you're sitting at a restaurant and you ask one of your waiter or waitress, what can I pray for you about today? That right there is a gospel conversation. It doesn't have to be full-fledged. It's small little things that will help keep it on our mind that we can share Christ in small ways all the time, wherever we go. And I've loved hearing about what the other women or girls are doing um, to share Christ with people. It's really fun, and it's encouraging to me, and it makes me want to get out there and do that more. And then joining with others in um, having opportunities to love. This is probably, I've always said that my um, love language. It's not really acts of service, it's when people join with me in doing acts of service. I don't know what that quite says, but I like it when people join in alongside of me and help me do it, not just do it for me. And so this is probably one of the ones that encourages me the most, but I have seen people um, do this so well. And just like Terry said, these are not things that we're not doing. These are things that I think we are doing really well in a lot of different ways. So I know um, even with youth, a lot of times I will challenge them to join in, to love maybe somebody that is new that is coming around, to reach out, to take five minutes to talk to them or to invite them or to have them come alongside them, say we're at Worlds of Fun, go spend a little bit of time, which at Worlds of Fun means two hours because that's what it takes to ride one ride. And so, um, but it's been really fun to watch as people join with others in loving. Now, um, it doesn't have to be anything really big. Maybe your group is going out for dinner one night for a night out. Pick a restaurant where somebody is going that they've been intentionally talking with, maybe a waiter or a waitress, and have your group join in with intentionally trying to love that waiter or waitress in some way. It doesn't have to be big, it's just something very easy. I know that one of our guys' group, Brett Lukertz, um, went, um, just did something so creative to me. They decided that they would make a meal together as a group. And then they called me and said, can we take it to um, the family that I've been sharing the gospel with? And I was like, yeah, they're probably gonna find this a little bit odd. And so, but I was like, yeah, oh my word. What that spoke to them was huge. And it opened the door for some amazing conversations. And so um, I'm so excited that they took that little opportunity to get out there and to do something like, like that just so that I could have gospel conversations with this family. And another um, another idea has been that... If you have a family that maybe, or a neighbor that you see, oh, they're having a baby, and they're not involved in a church, I can tell you one thing, they don't get meals most often. That's just a thing that happens pretty much in the church community. It doesn't happen anywhere else. If somebody is sick or somebody is um, having a baby, there's no friends lined up to set up a meal train. And so a way to really love people can be... Maybe not doing anything big. Maybe it's just one of your nights in group, you make some freezing meals that you take over there. They don't know, um, you know, that maybe some people get, you know, 20 days of meal train. They will just be grateful for three or four days of meals. And so that can be a great way to love people. So I don't... Nobody has to do everything. We just need to be doing things that intentionally put loving others before ourselves. And another thing that I was thinking about um, in Ben, when you were talking this morning in your sermon, you had a point that talked really easily, and I left it upstairs. So I'm sorry I can't bring it down here to remember exactly what the question was, but I wrote in my notes E. And the reason I wrote in my notes an E is because I can ask that question in group later on as a way to bring up an evangelism time, and it's straight from the message, and that happens a lot with what Terry says. I'll think, oh man, that's really good. And I'll put a note, write a question, or make a note, and then I'll write E beside it so that I can remember to bring that up. All I'm trying to do is facilitate discussion here and there as it's needed. I don't do it every single week um, because it probably feel redundant, but I do it as I feel like it's needed so that we can constantly keep before us having a mindset that is missional. And so that's what I have.
3: All right, so the M that I want to talk with you all about just briefly, just for a few minutes this afternoon, is member care. And member care, simply put, is loving members of our group in practical, actionable ways, many of which happen outside of the small group setting. This would include things like uh, visiting sick group members in the hospital, taking a meal to a family in crisis, helping somebody in your group with a house project, right? and many other things. And member care is how we live out the great commandment to love one another, and it's the way that we model the great commandment to other people in our group. But I want to just hone in on one small aspect of member care this afternoon, and that aspect is maintaining healthy boundaries in the process. Because if I know something about you all, you all are servant-hearted people. You genuinely care about the well-being of others. And if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. So when it comes to member care, the temptation, I think, that's probably more so for you is the temptation to overextend yourself, trying to take care of the people in your group, rather than not extending yourself enough. So rather than coming up here and telling you about one more thing you need to do, I'm going to ask you if maybe there's something you need to not do in order to protect your boundaries. As much as we don't like to admit it some days, we are not God. We are limited beings. We have limited time, energy, expertise, resources, and most of us already have a long list of very important God-given things vying for those limited resources, right? Our own physical, mental, spiritual health, our relationship with our spouse, Parenting our kids, being excellent at our work, taking care of our home and other resources. And these are all crucial for our personal faithfulness. And we need to honor them and protect them by creating healthy boundaries. And far from being a selfish thing, creating and maintaining boundaries is something that God does. Right? God is separate and distinct from us. He has created healthy boundaries between us and him. We cannot be him. He is not going to be us. He has told us clearly and plainly who he is and who he is not, what pleases him, and what doesn't please him. And when God created us in his image, he assigned to us certain responsibilities and boundaries of our own. And we all flourish when we acknowledge our boundaries and the boundaries of others, and then we operate within our boundaries. Now... I trust that you're not going to take this out to mean that we should be unhelpful, right? We should be helpful, obviously, but we should be necessarily measured in our long-term approach to helping others. And in order to do this, there's a couple of enemies we're going to have to fight. One of them is vanity, right? It's the vanity of finding worth and always being busy. It's the vanity of always being the person who comes to the rescue, right? That can be a temptation. I know that's going to be a temptation for me. That's one enemy we're going to have to fight. Another enemy we're going to have to fight is laziness. You say, well, how does laziness fit into this? Well, the laziness of letting our life be determined by the emergency of the hour is not having good boundaries. Sometimes we think it's easier or maybe even more Christ-like to just let the whirlwind of life dictate our schedule. But it never ends up being easier in the long run, and it can lead to spiritual ruin. And the final enemy we have to, to fight as we think about setting healthy boundaries, and maybe this is the big, biggest one. By the way, there's a book called Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. It's kind of the go-to book. So if Boundaries is a big struggle for you, I'd recommend that one. But Cloud and, Cloud and Townsend say that one of the major reasons Christians struggle to set boundaries is because we falsely believe that setting boundaries is selfish. And because of this, Christian leaders, especially Christian leaders, may be tempted to say yes to the wrong things because we're afraid of looking like a bad person. Or we may melt into the needs of other people because we're afraid of hurting someone else's feelings. Or we may say yes to too much because we are afraid of looking selfish or unspiritual. And we don't want to be those things. We don't want to be selfish or cold toward others. That's definitely not the way of Christ. But we have to keep the big picture in mind as we show empathy. right? A well-differentiated leader sets and maintains healthy boundaries. And in so doing, what they're actually doing is protecting their relationships with other people. Because here's what happens if you don't set boundaries and you're, you become enmeshed, In other people's needs, suddenly you start to resent the people that you're trying to serve because they're drawing more than you have in your account. So sometimes to be obedient to God is to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that this time. So I'm going to have Abby come up. Abby has had a a difficult semester, I would say, with leading group, and she's had to learn a few things about boundaries. So Abby's just going to share... With you a little bit of what she's learned.
4: Yeah, so I'm Abby. Um, I've been leading a small group this semester in Christian Challenge, um, and I'm going to read off this, otherwise I'm going to talk too long. <laughs> so, um, But um, this semester, it's been awesome in a lot of ways, but it's also been kind of rocky, like Trace said. Um, I thought I knew what being a leader would be like, but I really didn't know also. <laughs> um And so, I think it was around the second week of the semester, um, a girl in our small group relayed some really difficult things that were going on in her life, um, and these things were negatively affecting her mental health, and, um, she was having a lot of panic attacks, um, suicidal thoughts, and that kind of thing, um, and that was really tough to deal with, um, and so, um, the girls in my group, you know, they really stepped up in a lot of ways, and it was really amazing without us even having to ask. They were just helping, and and I tried to step up as best as I could, but it was really tough, Um, and, you know, she would call me with panic attacks, and I would just kind of drop what I was doing, talk to her for like half an hour, calming her down, that kind of thing, and, there was a while where I really didn't sleep very well because I was just really worried about her, um, and then at one point we ended up having to take her to the hospital after small group one night because um, we thought she was planning on ending her life, um, and it was really hard, um, but um, kind of. In all of this, I had convinced myself that as the leader, I had to take the biggest role in this, in helping her with her issues. Um, I ended up staying with her in the hospital until like 3 a.m. that night, and that was not good for either of us. (laughs) I missed like three days of work after that, because I was just, you know, really drained, and I also came down with a cold, Um, but... You know, I had convinced myself that serving her meant dropping everything to take on her problems, but I learned that that's just really not a healthy or sustainable way to do leadership and serving. Um, so the big question is, how do we as leaders maintain healthy boundaries with our group members? Um, so it's crucial to keep in mind the forums, um, mission meetings, mentoring, member care. We've been talking about it, you know. Um, but. As leaders, part of being faithful is ensuring that there's balance in these um, member care. Member care is really important, but um, you know that's not going to be our main focus all the time. When someone has a need, it might take precedence for a little while. But if that um, takes up all of your energy, then you're not going to have the energy to put towards the other important parts: the mission, the meetings, um, the mentorship. So. It's also important for group health because if you're consumed by the care of one group member for a long time, you're not going to have the energy or the resources to meet the needs of the other people in the group who are there to meet and learn more about Jesus. Um, So, yeah. And then, you know, when someone comes to you as a leader um, with a problem, it's important to gauge whether or not they're willing to take steps to help themselves um, because it's just not a reasonable expectation that a small group leader should fix your problems for you. Um, We can help them a little bit, but ultimately, they have to take responsibility for their choices. Um, And if they make excuses or they're unwilling to do that, that's kind of when you have to take a step back, because it's not going to be healthy for either of you. And it's not going to help them either. Um, And I think when you're helping someone, it's also important to check your motives. We know that God cares about what's in our heart, so ask yourself why you're helping them. Um, Is it because you really believe that God is calling you to lay down your life for this person in this moment and that he's giving you that opportunity? Or is it because you're trying to prove or earn something out of a sense of duty or obligation? Um, We cannot fix all the problems. We're not God, Um, and we're not the hero of the story. We're just not... (laughs) I saw so much of my own weakness in even just trying to help her this semester. Um, But, you know, when we do too much, when we can't handle it, what does that say about our trust in God? Do we truly believe that he has control of the situation? It's a good question to ask. Um, But when we view member care as an opportunity rather than a duty or an obligation, we're going to have a healthier view because we know that God opened that door for us, but he can also close it if he knows that's not healthy. Um, so ultimately, you know, God loves a servant's heart. It's um, really important. He's placed you in your group to serve and love others, um, but we can't fix all the problems. Only he can. Um And if we're operating in God's will, he'll sustain us, but we also live in human bodies that need rest. So in order to be effective leaders, we need to maintain healthy boundaries with others. And this takes a lot of discernment. I would not have gotten through this semester without a lot of prayer for wisdom and seeking wise counsel from other believers. Um, And I don't do this perfectly by any means, but God has really taught me a lot about that this semester. So I just wanted to share with you guys.
3: Thanks Abby. Jim.
5: Thanks, Trace. Well, Brenda and I are going to talk to you about the fourth M, which is mentoring. Mentoring is at the center of everything we do as a leader. And when we talk about mentoring, we're not talking about being an expert. We're talking about someone who is faithfully walking with Jesus and others. That's what a mentor is. We're talking about you. And that excites me because that's what you do as a group leader. You mentor people. And mentoring is the most important thing that we can do. And so what do we got to do to be a mentor? We got to be what we want others to see or what we want to see in others. That's our goal as a mentor, to be what we want to see in others. And so if we're going to do that, then we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention to what we're doing in our life and we got to pay attention to the lives of people that God has given us to lead. And so... We pay careful attention to ourselves and our walk with Jesus. So why, why do we do that? So we'll have something to give to others. And so if we're going to do that, then we got to think about our own lives. What are we doing? Are the things we're doing, do they align with who we want to be in Christ, who Christ has called us to be? we got to think about those things. And if they're not then we gotta take action to change those things. We gotta make course corrections. And at the same time we're evaluating our own life, we gotta pay attention to those that God has given us to lead. And we gotta look at their lives and we gotta spend some time thinking about how can we help them grow into the people that God has called them to be. And so one of the ways that we do that is we just think about them. We think about where they are in their walk. We think about what we need to do to challenge them. We think about how can I help them grow? How can I get them to the next level? How can I help them grow in the heart attitudes? Heart attitudes are at the core of everything we do. And so paying attention, paying attention means watching, thinking, and contemplating about where we want to be and where we want others to be and how we can help them to grow in their walk with Christ. And so mentoring is simply just taking time to think about where and how we can help others to grow. And then it's about taking the action we need to do to accomplish that growth. When you think about action, you don't have to come up with this big elaborate plan doesn't have to be complicated. Remember, uh, I love Terry's saying, the best plan is what? The one you'll do. <laughs> right. That's the best plan. And so mentoring, mentoring really is a great opportunity for us. And it's a privilege for us to invest in the lives of others. And I'm here to tell you, I'm excited about it. Because that's exactly what you guys are doing. And how do I know that? Because lives are changing and people are growing. I see it every day. And that's because of the work you guys are doing and leading your folks, because you are paying attention to their lives and you're intentionally making investment. Brenda, come on up. Brenda's going to talk about another aspect.
6: Thanks. Mentoring Part Two. So you already heard Rodney read this first, but I want to read it again. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. So did you all know that you're already an influencer? Maybe not a social, in, social media influencer. Maybe we have some of those, but I don't know who they are, but... Um, but you are influencing people in your group already by how you live, by what you do, and by what they see you, what they hear you say, and by what they see you do. And so I want to give you some things to consider about how to be intentional in your influence. Because being a leader or a mentor is about intentionally investing in someone, or as Ben said this morning, faithfully investing. So what's being intentional? It's just doing something on purpose, not accidentally. And so investing is about putting your resources into someone or something. And it's really important here to note that investing is not the same thing as serving. It's something different. So what does that look like in small group? Well, I don't know about you, but something about that word investing intentionally or that phrase makes me a little daunted. But thankfully, this is not a professional development plan. Anybody have any of those in their workplace? Probably Doug down here. We're not doing that because we are talking about life-on-life investment. We are talking about spirit-led investment. And so the starting point is to look for where God is at work and to join him there. And as Jim said, we're going to pay attention. And so how are we going to do that? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to invest in prayer because we want this to be spirit led. We don't just wanna make up who to invest in and how to do it. But we're gonna ask the Lord how and who. And we aren't just gonna pray for their current prayer requests, although that's a really good thing to do. We're gonna pray for God to give us perspective into their lives and how he might want us to play a role in their development. And then we're gonna invest our time and we're gonna invest our thoughts. And so you guys are already investing in your group as a whole, right? But the way you invest in individuals in your group is not gonna look the same from person to person because it's unlikely that you can individually invest in every person in your group, and it's probably not feasible or wise to try to do that, honestly. But as leaders and leader assistants, you guys are already intentionally investing in one another. But the encouragement is to ask the Lord if there's another person in your group that he would have you to invest in. And we're thinking here of specifically developing emerging leaders. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean they're leader assistant material yet. That that may be down the road, but we're looking for people who are faithful because if someone is following the Lord, then they can lead others to follow the Lord as well. And that's what a leader is, whether or not they have the title. And so... Things I think about is, are they showing up? Are they spending time in the Word? Is there evidence of God at work in their lives? And so we have this great opportunity and privilege to participate with God's work in people's lives by faithfully investing in others. And Ben said this morning that he didn't know why these people were investing in him. And I could tell you I have the same story too. I remember people investing in me and then I turned around and invested in somebody and she told me later that she didn't know why I was meeting with her. In a good way. In a good way. She was like, I didn't get it at first. Kind of like Ben didn't get it. And then she's like, I figured it out. And so they don't have to know why you're getting time with them. Maybe there's a time to tell them. But Ben's mentors maybe he didn't know they were his mentors at the time but they saw something in him and they didn't know what the outcome was going to be but they saw him being faithful but i'll tell you what we have a guaranteed return on investment and that guarantee is not what fruit is produced in somebody else's life now that might be what happens but that's god's return on investment right Our return on investment is the opportunity of joining with God by pouring into their lives. And you can be guaranteed that God will use that in your life if you invest in somebody else's life. And so, of course, at the same time, we may also get the privilege of seeing God work in somebody's life and seeing them grow in their walk and seeing them exhibit leadership skills, but we rely on that guaranteed return on investment, that we are being faithful and we're faithfully investing in people. So the encouragement I have for you is to don't make it too complicated and you're already doing this, but seek the Lord, seek the Lord, pray for your group members, ask the Lord, is there somebody here specifically that he wants me to invest in and who could that be and how would I do it? And then take those steps, like Jim said, put it into action. So invest with prayer, invest with time, and invest with your thoughts. And so Jim and I are going to have Amy and Brett Lentz come up, and they're going to answer a couple of questions about this.
5: Yeah, as they come up, I just think it's real important mentoring, too. When we talk about paying attention and being intentional intentional means that takes action you got to do something and so we can think about all these great plans we're gonna do but like Dallas Willard says if until you actually do it you haven't intended to do it and so we want to do much more than just think about it and so with that why don't we start Amy we'll start with you and this question is to both of you guys why don't you just take a moment Take about a minute, minute and a half, something like that, and just describe to us what you're currently doing to make sure that you're paying attention to your group life.
7: Come on over here. Sure thing. So I don't have a leader assistant. And so I realized much longer than it should have taken me (laughs) that if I didn't intentionally put some practices um, in my group life, that I was gonna miss what God was doing in my group because I don't have anybody to bounce it off of. I don't have anyone to say, oh, how do you think that went? Or uh, what do you see in this group member's life? And so I realized I needed some, some uh, hooks to hang that on. And so I settled on two really simple, they've already basically been said, hooks to evaluate by, hook number one. In what way are my group members showing up and doing more than the bare minimum? Showing up and investing or being more than a consumer of our group. Hook number two, in what ways are they investing in each other? Now, that can be anything from following up on a prayer request in our group chat or saying, hey, I remember that this person's birthday is coming. What are we going to do about it? But in what way are they looking outside of themselves to look to the health and the life of our group. So with those two, the next question was, all right, as the leader, what can I do to help make that happen more? And then what happens next after that?
8: All right, so I gotta get my cheat sheet here. Um, For me, I'm kinda lucky enough, sorry, I lead with, uh, co-lead with Clayton uh, so we have two guys, and it's been awesome. Um, and early on, we both kind of observed that our group didn't communicate super well. You know, a group of guys, you ask them how they're doing, you get good, and you're kind of like, really? Are you always good? Um, and that was communication both in group discussion, prayer time, And then what we do throughout the week, we've done it for a few years, is everyone has kind of like a partner that they reach out to, they pray for. Maybe if you have some extra time, you hang out with them. Um, And I just observed, we both observed early on that communication was an area that our group really needed to be challenged in. And our group is looking potentially to multiply again And so as I look down the line of somebody that I can have, you know, co-lead with me or whatever that looks like, um, I'm looking for someone that can communicate really well, Um, both not just in group discussion, but prayer time. And then they're really intentional about reaching out throughout the week. So
0: yeah,
5: that's good. So why, why don't Amy, why don't you tell us? What are you doing? What specifically are you doing? You kind of answered it a little bit, but what are you doing to be intentional? What's your action plan, and how are you making sure you do
7: that? Sure. Well, this one was accidental. Just going to put that out here. So it start, we'll start at the beginning. So in, in 2020, the year that was what it was, um, we were coming into the summer, and I realized— yeah out of my own need, wow, I'd really love to connect with some of my group members over the summer. I need it. Maybe they need it too. I don't know. So I threw out an invite and said, all right, if you want to, I'm, I'm willing to get together this summer. And the person who said yes was the group member that I knew the least. And I was a little surprised, but I was like, sure, I need it. Let's do this. And so we ended up meeting together about once a week for the next 18 months, year and a half. Now, we'd still be meeting together once a week if we could, but life changes and you can't do the same thing all of the time. But at the end of 18 months and then all those years after that of intentional time together, we've become friends. You know, there's only so much Chit chat level conversation you can have over, over a, a cup of shaved eyes once a week, you know? And so eventually you start talking about more things. And we met with her daughter every single week, and that that's great. Uh, there's ways you can talk around that very carefully. Uh, and it was good, and it has been a transformational relationship. So we're genuinely friends. Our families get together and we have meals. Um, when she invited, Uh, us to come to her kids play we went because that's what you do with friends is you show up Um, and it has been tremendously impactful not only on my life as a friend but on our group so she's been in our group now for five years she's leading the pack in investing in the other group ladies Uh, she's leading out in sharing uh openly and honestly about the difficulty uh the difficulties of life and the joys of life and it's been such a joy uh, to be her friend and to have her in our group and so i'm really grateful for that accident
8: so for me maybe not necessarily geared towards one person but collectively um, as a group uh, about being intentional like i said communication was not necessarily at the top of our list so uh, kind of challenge myself when I'm leading to allow for processing time as we walk through a group discussion because you got microwave thinkers, oven thinkers, crock pot thinkers. And I'm not too good at allowing the crock pot thinkers to to cook. Clayton is much better at that than I am. Um, So just allowing for that processing time and being okay with the awkwardness. And through that, I've actually noticed some really good conversations. That's been awesome. Um, Also for me, I've challenged myself really to be intentional about what we discuss on the the study guide. Um, Not every question or maybe the way the question is addressed is really going to jive with our group, especially now our group has like 15 or 16 people. So you got to be very strategic. That way you're not there for four hours. also, they kind of mentioned it at the beginning, but moving prayer to the beginning. That was something that Clayton and I discussed at the beginning of the semester. We're like, hey, this is huge. And the fact that a lot of times, and again, not beating anybody up, but like we were guilty of it. We're like, all right, we got two minutes left. I'll just pray real quick. It's like, let's move it to the front and really be intentional about it. Because um, that kind of carries over into our next thing is assigning those prayer partners and staying in contact with them. And it's through that that I've kind of formed a relationship with a guy, in our, a younger guy in our group that potentially, if we decide to multiply, could be someone to kind of be groomed, so to speak, as a good leader in the future. And it just takes that intentionality and kind of that life on life. I always tell the guys, uh, community doesn't happen through osmosis. Like, you actually have to, you got to do stuff. So...
5: Thank you guys.
0: Ben, come on up. Ben Crow. <clears throat> I went to uh some training with some soldiers at Fort Leavenworth like week before last and they were there was these um a, comp- a company that the DOD contracted with to train people in army um, conferences, soldier fitness. And these are all, they've hired all these sports psychologists, PhD sports psychologists to train these soldiers. And these soldiers are being trained in to go back to their units and be trainers. And this model <clears throat> was super complicated. And like it was seven core competencies, 14 skills. And then one of the skills they took two hours, there's 80 hours of training. I didn't I stayed two days and said I'm good. And um, <clears throat> got it. And they had one skill that was problem solving. It took an hour and a half. Said, any, any questions? And so the, the co-trainer was doing this. And I said, yeah, I got a question. I said, this, this is a really complicated model. And the soldiers and airmen I help who most need this, they're not going to be able to use this. And I didn't want to be that guy, but I, did, but I did ask the question. And the, 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 tra- the instructor kind of hem-hawed around, and then he, he got, the lead guy came up. And said I'll speak to that he works for the company he said yeah I don't like this model either it doesn't work said, You're wor- you're teaching it two hours and and um, but I didn't say anything and he said if you learn the model maybe one piece of it could help one soldier one time and I said that's what I wanted him to say you know just keep this simple and so that's what we're trying to do. You go, we, we've dealt with these four M's a long time. We're, we're going to keep dealing with them, just looking at them from different angles, keeping them in front of each other, because it works. It just works. I was talking, come on up, Ben. Ben and I get together about once a month and eat and chat, and we have for years. And one of the things I was, we were talking about as we were doing, we were talking about doing this pulpit swap. Aaron, had would it go this morning at, at Orchard? Good. <clears throat> good and um <clears throat> was I want I want our folks to know Ben a lot of people do a lot of people don't I want them to know Ben and to know that we're partners and also then I asked him hey can you come to leadership community um, because uh, I want them to know that this works not that your goal is to produce pastors but what equipped Ben to do what he's doing was not seminary it was it was it was regular people in groups. And this morning, I told Jamin, hey, thank you for Trace and Ben. <laughs> they, uh, Jamin's investment in them, you know, and the investment of the people in their groups has brought us here. So just talk about how what they're doing works. Faithfulness works.
9: Yeah, so what you guys are doing, what you heard Abby talk about, um, you could learn about it from a textbook, pastoral counseling class, but you're you're doing it, you're doing counseling. So everything that I learned in seminary, and I've told Terry this a dozen times or more, everything that I learned in seminary, I learned here first, hermeneutics, how to, how to study the Bible, um, evangelism, discipleship, like not learning it through a textbook, I'm all for education, but this is theology in practice, which is the way that God intended theology to be done in practice. So um yeah, teaching teaching kids, if you can teach theology to kids, then y- you can teach it. <laughs> so yeah, and just getting time with people, making mistakes. I Yeah, Joseph's over there. So I was fir- uh maybe you're my second group that I led. Maybe my first group as the the solo leader and uh, at the end of the year I <laughs> Paul wrote the Corinthians a severe letter. I wrote Joseph a letter, and uh, it was it was a little too severe maybe uh, he didn 't talk to me for a little bit i don 't totally blame him but that that 's an example of what I talked about this morning, like y'all have been long suffering with me, patient with me, and you know uh, nobody 's perfect. I just was texting with a regular attender at Orchard who's struggled for years to commit and stay plugged in, and she's like, I know I need to grow. And it's like, God's all for your growth. You just you know, keep going. Keep putting forth the effort because her effort wanes, and so you know, she, she doesn't get to taste the fruit of faithfulness like Brenda was talking about. But, um, yeah, it's just plugging away one
0: day at a time. Does that answer your no, question. it does. Any, yeah. Anything else you want to say to these guys? How's how's Orchard doing? They they're curious to know. You are our partners in the gospel. Yeah. What, uh, this this week you were kind of down in the diver, so
9: Yeah. I mean I'm up I'm up and down but <laughs> emotionally. But uh over over the long term we we've been faithful and that's rewarding. I mean we've seen people change this. After I met with you, there were two or three stories, kind of like you heard stories. I heard stories two or three times last week uh, that were just really encouraging. It's like three years ago, those people wouldn't have said that or done that or lived that way. And four years ago, that person wasn't even a believer, but he and his wife are now, and they're moving towards baptism. So it's, it's really encouraging. We've got a ton of kids that we have the opportunity to be faithful with, and it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I loved being here, but honestly, I missed being there.
0: That's today. good. I'm glad. So. We're glad. This morning, is Brianne here? No, so I know. Oh, there yeah. you are. Brian. I'm not going to call you out. I know you'd hate it. So <laughs> I'm just going to say, I won't bring you up here. But this morning, we were out in the hall, and she, it was cool because, you know, <clears throat> she has, a, she has a, a Wyatt, and he has a Wyatt. Yep. He taught her Wyatt upstairs. Rose did. Rose taught her Wyatt upstairs, yeah. Yeah. and then... Um, your dad was saved and baptized. Is that right? And
9: yep. Tell the story. It's cool. So when we moved into this old building, the baptismal didn't even hold water. So he helped. <laughs> James was like, I need to get baptized before I die. That's her dad. <laughs> yeah, her, yeah. yeah, her dad. And so <clears throat> he also like, helped connect me to people who could fix up the baptismal. And he was the first one to be baptized in that tub. And who knows how long. It was really... Yeah, after yep. his first grandson. Yep. and so just the, and this is what I thought when I just visited this last summer. It is so sweet that the kids that I invested in with Superchurch and Next are now older. Uh, Jesse Bartlett this morning was investing in my son, and Jesse was in my class back in the day. So it's just, it's sweet, mm-hmm. and, and whether pastors or missionaries are produced Labors for the harvest are being produced and the results are up to God. The faithfulness is what we're responsible for. And it's, it, so it's, it's great. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. So I was talking to a, a, a dad, um, who this last week who had just seen his grown kids do well. And I said, you know, your kids are standing on your shoulder. And this dad is standing on rubble. There's nothing, there was nothing left. There was nothing his, fa- his dad gave him. He's standing on rubble. His, his, his sons and daughters are standing on his shoulders. And, and of course, he, he teared up. And I said, faithfulness works every time it's tried. It's it works. Every once in a while you get to step back and see it. Yeah. And then you put your head back down. Yeah. And you just be faithful. And maybe it's years, maybe it's months. <clears throat> but every once in a while you pop up and you look and you go, this works. And what, what, one thing we want to do here um, is, is just, we want to pop up out of, the, out of the, the trudging and just look around again and say, Faithfulness works every time it's tried. So I'm going to pray for you. Thanks. Thanks for coming this morning. Yes, for um, in fact, Aaron, why don't you come up here, would you? <clears throat> And would you, would you grab that mic and would you voice our church's prayer for Ben and for Orchard? Sure. And then that'll be, we'll be done. Yeah.
10: Right. Father, thank you so much for my friend Ben and just the man of God, the man of integrity that he is. Thank you for your church, mm-hmm. for dying for us. Um, thank you for the gift of your spirit mm-hmm. I pray that you would empower Ben with your spirit. I pray that you fill him and Rose, that you would fill them with endurance. I pray that he would be faithful and that he would joyfully plod and joyfully serve. The people at Orchard, thank you for gospel partnership mm-hmm. with our church here, that we can support him. And I just pray that. Um, yeah, we, we abandon outcomes, we leave growth to you, but I pray that Ben and uh the leaders that he is developing and raising up there uh would be found faithful. Mm-hmm. In your son's
0: name.
4: Amen. Amen.
9: Thanks.